or like I'll have my, it's full, let's say, like data. Yeah. It's cuts out halfway through. I don't know. Uh, so yeah. in the middle, I'll probably get up and go check out what we're talking. Sure. So while yeah. you're talking about something, I'll be like, I'll be back in a second. Yeah, and yeah. then, because um, I'm not too worried about how we, loose we, this goes. We did that with uh, the Peak newspaper and they um, they recorded like a 45 minute, like it was maybe a, a 35 minute uh, phone call conversation. And yeah. the guy called back like two minutes later, Brandon Barrett. And he's like, fuck, it didn't hit record. He's like, I didn't right. get any of that. Start again, right? <laughs> I was like, you're getting a five-minute interview now. I did that with uh, Greg Hill, an athlete, <clears throat> and I went to his place, and I was in Revelstoke, and yeah. I hit record while I was setting up, yeah. and I hit stop when I was trying to record, so I just had it all backwards. Uh-oh. It took an hour and a half, and he's oh. like, yeah, I didn't get it, so and I drove away from my Revelstoke furious. Um, okay, so Kevin Winter, thanks for coming on my show. Hey, great to be uh, here, man. Thanks for coming down to uh, Coast Mountain. Yeah, for sure. Thanks, thanks for having me in your tap house here. Uh, it's um, episode 26 is going to be for me. So Very cool. Congratulations. Uh, and uh, yeah, I, I haven't been to a brewery at 9 o'clock in the morning in a long time. <laughs> not like ever. It's, so. it's pretty, pretty normal for me, so yeah, uh, I'll, right. I'll, I'll, I'll ease you into it. Yeah, what's the, what's the shift? What do you guys do? What time do you guys start in the morning? Uh, we run seven days a week down here at Coast. Uh, uh, the brew team currently right now runs six days a week, and uh, the, the guys will start showing up about 8 o'clock in the morning. Uh, fire up the kettles, get everything hot in there, and uh, everybody goes home about five or six or seven, depending on the day. Right. Long brew days for sure, yeah. uh, but a great team. And, cool. and so, uh, yeah, we keep it uh, not quite round the clock, but we're pretty busy, seven days a week. I mean, you have to, right? Everybody wants a beer. Everybody <laughs> wants, so yeah, we're at, we're at Coast Mountain uh, Brewery. Uh, Coast Mountain Brewing? Yeah, Coast Mountain Brewing. Brewing. Yeah, you Coast betcha. Mountain Brewing. Uh, in Function Junction in Whistler, and it's um, probably the best beer in, in town. Well, it is the best beer in we're, town, I'd say. We're a little biased, but uh, there was yeah. this little beer festival about a week ago or so that they yeah. said we were the best uh, out of 60 breweries, uh, where, of course, it was um, by tokens. So uh, our, our booth uh, obtained more tokens uh, than any other brewery, therefore uh, crowned the champion, you if you like will. A biased audience, maybe? Uh, maybe a little. Our home, uh, home, home turf here in Whistler, yeah. that's for sure. We have a, a great support system from the community here in Whistler, and we're, we're pretty stoked. Yeah. But I think the beer community is pretty like supportive of each other, right? I mean, there's probably some kind of competition going on as far as like, you know, secret blends or whatever it is. But I would guess these beer fests, everyone's getting along, right? Everybody, for the most part, it's a rad industry. A couple of beers and everyone's happy, right? Well, and even before that, the the uh, the, the brewery owners, the the brewers themselves, we trade uh, industry secrets all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, right down when I started brewing commercially, maybe ten years ago, uh, we maybe didn't talk about yeast strains or you know right. we got four main ingredients in beer. We got yeast, water, hops, and uh, uh, barley. Yeah. And you know you could commonly talk about maybe three, two, two of those kind yeah. of thing. I maybe wouldn't tell you my water chemistry or something sure. like that, yeah. but. Uh, you know, we uh, now everything's wide open, and it's a beautiful industry for that. That uh, you know, the, the the better beer that we have overall here in BC uh, creates that uh, craft beer tourism right. uh, aspect, and and us specifically in the Sea to Sky corridor, yeah. uh, we're very open with what we do here, and uh, we we trade information back and forth with everybody up and down the corridor. Yeah, because it seems like even just like having like you know guest taps and stuff from other breweries in, in your yeah. in your in your tap house here. I mean, it's just about just spreading the good good word of beer, and if you make good yeah. beer, you don't really worry about other people. Yeah, don't. Don't forget that we're all customers too and we yeah. all want to make sure that we uh, produce beers that are rad that we enjoy uh, drinking ourselves and so when you come into coast mountains tasting room i want to make sure that uh, the customer has that experience they walk in and they're like oh rad there's a uh, a great beer from backcountry down in squamish yeah. or maybe something a little rare or a little harder to find in the sea to sky quarter that we yeah. can bring in and thereby you know gets you a little more excited when you see the tap list that's a question i have like how do you choose variety because you want to have somebody walk in and go hey there's a beer for me here cool i'll drink it yeah. how do you i mean there's obviously trends in brewing and everything else yeah. um, um, but I'm curious, like, what what your, like, philo- philosophy is, philosophy, I make up words, philosophy is uh, towards, like, variety. Because, I mean, you, you do have some staples. Yeah. I'm sure whatever, whatever one just keeps selling you, like, sure. you've got to keep making that one. Yeah. But those unique ones you make... How do you just, just go, let's try this? Well, for us specifically, uh, differentiating ourselves in the marketplace is, is, is maybe at, it is at the core of our uh, business plan. It's, it's who Coast Mountain wants to be. We want right. to make sure that we keep pushing the limits. You know, a modern progressive brewery that, you know, maybe takes a few more risks than uh, a traditional style of, of brewery where you'd have more core brands that you brew repeatedly all the time and you're really nailing down those recipes. And in turn, those become... The, the, your flagship beers right, okay. and, and the most sought after, maybe not the most talked about, right. you know, with social media now being so uh, large and huge, you know, <laughs> you rarely see the, the conversations of the, you know, might, what might be your, your Pilsner beer here that sure. we're looking at a four pack in front of us here yeah. on the table. Uh, we're talking more about that seasonal rotator that, uh, you know, you just dropped last uh, week as a collaboration with, you know, um, whatever brewery down the road. Right. And, uh, 
but for us differentiating ourselves in the marketplace finding a style that is still drinkable uh, you know the alcohol maybe isn't way up there but it's got mm -hmm. some color it's got some depth and, and complexity and flavor that's kind of you know what everybody's striving for well it's what we're striving for yeah. that's for sure right. uh, and and I shouldn't say that uh, uh, that everybody's going after that because really breweries are built on on styles now and they can be hazy beers they can be sour beers right. uh, old world Belgian beers uh, you know, new world hop aggressive beers. Uh, certain breweries, you know, pick a, a style and they go with it, and they get a uh, garner it. a following through that uh, a stylistic or right. style of beers, if you will. Yeah. So uh, we kind of like to blend and do, you know, maybe one or two hazy beers, one or two, uh, you know, old school IPAs, um, you know, one or two sour beers, uh, a rad pilsner that. I'm a little biased on. I think it's pretty rad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. And and so on. Yeah. So you were talking about. Um, I'm going to backtrack here in a, in a minute because we're getting more on this train here. But sure. uh, you were talking about sour beers uh, yeah. earlier. And yeah. You said that you kind of the way you brought them out and kind of the introductory and people were like I'd never heard of a sour beer. What's that? Um, that was that a was that a rocky start for those things? Like was it something you had to like say no, just keep trying. It's really good. And did you have you refined? Like I know your juice box been up there for a while. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm just curious if. If you've refined those ones, or you've had to just kind of keep bringing out new ones to try to keep people interested, a uh, little bit of column A, column B for okay, sure. Right. I mean, when we started, uh, Coast Mountain just had our third year anniversary, September first. Whoop. Whoop, whoop. Yeah, <laughs> and um, uh, when we opened up the doors, we brought a couple of sours on, and just that, not that long ago. Uh, those were not the most popular beers that Coast Mountain, uh, you know, with us specifically, mm -hmm. were producing. You know, the pale ales and the IPAs are, are, are still, you know, the larger uh, consumed by volume uh, beer. Sure. And uh, but very quickly, sours have taken over and um, or taken off, better said. Mm -hmm. And uh, they're extremely popular. And where we maybe thought we would bring them in as a rotator to begin with, now we're seeing them at all times on our lineup. People demand uh, those. There's that, that much demand for them. Mm -hmm. So yeah, you mentioned the juice box sour wit. That was a fun one for us and a mm -hmm. popular one. So we decided this summer to keep it all summer long and bringing some other ones as rotators, you know, fruit cool. infused sours throughout the summer. And now there's some more, uh, you know, percolating away back there that um, we'll get a little deeper, darker, sweeter as we move into the colder months. You know, the yeah. alcohol levels will come up. That's yeah, that, that thing about different colder months, we talk about like people think comfort food and you eat lighter in the summer, those kind of things. Like there is, so as a brewer, there, that is a trend of going to the darker, heavier beers in the winter. And that's kind of how people operate. I, I'm, I, like I'm a fan of lighter beers. I mean, I, I obviously like, I like a lot of beer, but yeah. um, I never really thought about, I never really put, the, put that in there where it's like you have these seasonal uh, like changes to heavier beers. Yeah, and that's that's our palates. That's each individual, of course. Uh, but you'll see that richer foods, heavier foods, bigger plates, portions. That sort yeah, of stuff happens right. in the winter, and the and the beer uh, follows suit with that as well. We like a little bit residual, a little bit more residual sugar on the tongue. Yeah. You know, a little bit higher alcohol. You know, you got to stay a little warmer out there. Yeah, it is funny because like you know you think uh, in the winter time you're not doing that much, and people are more like people are hanging around more, and you drink those heavier beers, it kind of puts you in the couch even more than. Oh yeah. You know. <laughs> but yeah, I, I was I'm just that was an interesting. Uh, point because you know I know that you do have these popular sour beers um, and you you know brought this new crystal chair uh, beer out which is a little bit lighter beer yeah, um, yeah. just around like in, as we're going into the winter season yeah, well, no, Crystal Chair, we launched uh, a few months back. We, we uh, hit that right uh, sort of the end of spring <laughs> and uh, edit. And uh, um, uh, it's, it's a style... Well, I mean, if we want to enter into this conversation, or at least I'm going to start bringing it up here, the sure. uh, the the revolution of beer styles, or sort of the chronological how it all happened here, is that uh, lager beers were incredibly popular, you know, uh, and then we brought on the IPAs, the pale ales, where they're a little bit more aggressively hopped, uh, and the um, brewer got extremely aggressive for a while there where oh. bitterness was the popularity and we wanted to on a scale of zero to a hundred hundred being the most bitter beer you can have in the yeah. international bittering units IBUs uh, that's what that is IBUs I that's what know. that is I'm you like, got I just thought I, I'm like, oh, I know what you're talking about <laughs> so you got ABV of course on the can it'll show yeah. 5% or whatever it is and then you'll see this little IBU international bittering units where the higher the number the more bitter the beer is and brewers okay. were trying to really you know uh, hit it over the top with a hundred a hundred and ten hundred and twenty IBU beer or whatever and um, that thankfully has has calmed down a little bit okay uh, and uh, um, 
we're starting to see IPAs kind of flatten off with with uh, with excitement, and the sours are now taking over. Right. Um, there's been a wave of sours over the last two to three years outside of BC. Of course, uh, we're kind of following suit behind a few of the states uh, uh, below us there in uh, yeah. Washington and Oregon, California, um, and beyond. Of course, sours have been um, uh, relevant for a couple of hundred years over in Europe, you know, Belgium, and all the rest where they originated from. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, so these modern uh, uh, styles are. are um, becoming very popular and behind that now we have a wave of lager beer coming back yeah and we're not talking about just your dad's you know uh, uh, dog beer you know yeah just kinda, i'm not going to name names of any sure, uh, whatever, certain man. macro breweries out there I'll name them if you want the, yeah you can name them and uh you know those uh you know uh lack their flavor of uh beers are um are uh, not what we're brewing now we're we're seeing lagers uh, it's it's a it's a different yeast strain. You got ales and you got lagers, and you have um, uh, a spiderweb, a family tree, if you will, of beers that uh, will go underneath those those hierarchies of ales and lagers. And um, we don't see uh, you know nearly a, a third of the different styles of lagers that are out there in the world, predominantly over in the, in Europe. Right. And and so we only kind of you know, and especially our generation, you know, we've only ever really seen light beer, you know, lager beer. Uh, and and now like low calorie lager yeah, and, and right. this sort of stuff, right? Well, now we want to infuse uh, different hops and we want to infuse different um, you know maybe barrel aging techniques. Uh, we're uh, you know using different types of malts that maybe uh, harness uh, more complexity throughout the lager. But the lager kind of overall trait is is generally you can sort of suggest it's going to finish a little bit drier, a little bit crisper than what an ale with a heavier sure. residual uh, uh, complex that, that that might have that beer. So, but I think you're. It sounds like you're trying to like. The, there's never been like a craft approach to the lighter beers. And it's coming now. That's, that's coming where now. I guess I was getting at. Yeah, yeah that's so coming right now. We're gonna is, see. Which is great uh, because it just. I mean, it opens up the market a bit, but it also gives you more uh, options to brew. And it gives the person who's trying, like maybe you know those heavy beers, can get into the craft brewing scene more because they're like, oh, I don't have to drink, you know, what's typically or traditionally been the heavier, you know. Because I find like, I like drink a beer, but I find like sometimes those heavier ones, they just even alcohol content aside, if it's a bit more dense, you feel like you have more alcohol in your system, and just kind of more like, oh god, I feel yeah, like you walk out with a couple of beers, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, you feel it. No, I'm yeah. right on. I'm right on board with you as a customer. I mean, uh, even when I go to the liquor store, a year, year and a half ago, uh, to two years ago and beyond, you would have seen these 650 mils or 20, 20, 22 ounce bombers that are in the um, liquor stores, and you buy a bottle. Yeah. And you might pick up a more drinkable beer, like in a in a pale ale fashion of a 12 pack or something like that, and one of these, mm-hmm. you know, one of these big beers that, you know, we'll go over to our buddy's house and... and uh, we tried this new chocolate ale thing yeah, and you, dump, you, you split it, right? And then everyone right. just goes back to their light beer. And everybody goes back to the light beer because yeah. nobody really wants to, you know, indulge in a chocolate, crazy, you know, cayenne pepper uh, imperial shit-faced. stout all night long. <laughs> so, uh, you know, we'll we'll carry along our little pale ales with us too. So we're we're learning, uh, I think, as a yeah. progressive industry, uh, how to... How to uh, pack a ton of flavor into lower alcohol beers right. and, and uh, um, you know, keep the customer interested through a four-pack or a six-pack or beyond. I think, th- I think that's a great approach, and I'm curious. So, like, speaking of, you know, how you're taking that approach to these lighter beers and stuff, but um, obviously it comes from a history of knowledge of what you know about beer uh, and, you know, being able to kind of pivot and make these different beers and know what flavors go with what and how to actually impact the flavor of a, of a lighter beer, then maybe you wouldn't use that same approach on a dark beer or like a heavier beer. But you have a pretty good history in brewing. I mean, you've been brewing for, I don't know how many years, but brewing now? About 10 years commercially now. Yeah. And then, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but you started brewing in Whistler? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, Well, I mean... If you really want to go way back, you uh, can go back as far as you want to go. My wife Angie and I, uh, uh, at that time, owned a home in Pemberton, and yeah. uh, we were just home brewing on the stove, and that's how it all started. Oh yeah, for like many many commercial brewers out there, that's, that's the same yeah, story. Is, right. is uh, you know you started at home tinkering around with whatever like equipment weed, you could. Too. Exactly, like growing <laughs> weed. I probably had a, a plant there at that time yeah. too, um, you know, and uh, and 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 within that. Um, you know, that, that swamp juice got a little bit better and better each time yeah. that we brewed, and right. all of a sudden the doors started knocking a little bit more, and the phone calls and the buddies coming over on Friday nights Neighbors. and stuff, you know, that yeah. uh, got a little more popular. And, That's cool. And that uh, uh, worked its way into a, um, uh, my first uh, commercial gig with Whistler Brewing Company down around the corner here, yeah. which I'm very fortunate to have worked with that team for three years or so there. Okay. I think yeah. I remember you, I didn't know you then, but I think I, I, knew, I knew Angie back in the day. Yeah. Yeah. I think I knew you, so I saw her recognized you were there. Yeah, yeah. for sure. 
Yeah, that was rad, man. I was sweeping the floors over there and uh, uh, polishing the tanks, cleaning yeah. tanks, and then started transferring beers and packaging beers and worked my way up onto the kettle. You know, we kind of commonly call that in the, uh, as a brewer's title. You know, if you're working on the kettle, you're a brewer. Yeah. And that happened pretty pretty quick. And then I went off to school in Chicago and got accredited as a brewer, as a, a trade. Chicago? You betcha. Oh, no shit. Is yeah. that like is that the place to go? Or is it just yeah, where you went? Yeah, it has one of the oldest uh, uh, schools. Uh, it's called the Siebel Institute of Technology. And, and uh, that... that it's like a, it's kind of like BCIT here yeah, in, in okay. BC. It's a trade school. Okay. Uh, and I got my brewer's ticket, if you will, yeah. down there. Okay. And there's, and there's, uh, uh, you know, so I really enjoyed my time down there and uh, came back and uh, continuing like online courses and, and all this sort of stuff, uh, uh, listening to the webinars and just keep learning, right? geeking out as much as I could for uh, a long time and uh, took a job down in the city. And uh, worked for an outfit out there that had, you know, 15 different liquor stores and a bunch of pubs domestically. We wow. s- we opened up uh, five pubs in South Korea, oh. and started shipping. Uh, Wait, so you worked for a, not a brewer? You worked for a like a? No, they were a brewery too. Okay, cool. Yeah, they're okay, the Mission right. Springs Brewing Company okay. in Mission. Okay. And I drove down that low heat highway, and I was like, "Is this thing ever going to end? Like, oh, I don't know geez. where I'm going." And oh, Angie and I were kind of laughing at each other, going like, "Where are we? And where are we going?" Is this the next to the universe? I just thought it was, that I was a flat Earth. I was a flat Earther, <laughs> yeah, and I was going to yeah. fall off the end. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the proof was right in front of you. Yeah. Yeah, and it's right. not all that far from here. But uh, yeah. so I apologize to anybody listening or seeing that. Uh, it's a good zone. Yeah, it's a great spot. Lovely great place. spot. Love it. Yeah. And uh, great people. Uh, Mission Springs was the reason why we went out there was for the people for sure cool. uh, we we fell in love with the family atmosphere out there and um that's where we had our son oscar he was born out there and mm-hmm. uh, uh really just uh, uh uh cut our teeth in the brewing industry out there as the uh, gentleman that ran that place at the time suggested you know do whatever you want kev and um gave us a big credit card and I went Dude. out there and and, uh, and spent a lot of his money. <laughs> and, oh yeah, right. And learned how to do it wrong yep. before learning how to do it right. Okay. And uh, we're very fortunate for the time we had out there, another three, four years or so out there, mm. and um, uh, helped facilitate the opening of Hearthstone Brewing in North Vancouver. Okay. Uh, and um, you know hired those guys on, helped develop initial recipes, and and work with graphic designers to get that place up and running. But the hats off to those guys. They they uh, took off and running. That's Darren Hollett that uh, has now just recently opened up House of Funk Brewing in North Vancouver. Oh, cool. Okay. And uh, breweries everywhere, right? And we've all worked together at some point. Uh, another really popular one, name dropping. You know uh, Parker Reed out there at uh, Fieldhouse in Abbotsford. Okay. They've taken the um, social media and and uh, 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 modern kind of craft brewery mixing with old world from Belgium and Europe mm-hmm. uh, probably one of the better guys that are doing that um, cool. from a from a customer standpoint looking in the, mm-hmm. the beers look fabulous the labels look fabulous the the beers taste uh, fabulous as well mm-hmm. and uh, exciting to have worked with those guys I got guys that have worked with now old Yale and Chilliwack everybody kind of goes in different directions sure. as they grow within their own careers and yeah. um, you know, Angie and I always had our sights on coming back to Whistler. Yeah, cool. And uh, I actually, when we closed our door to our homebrew shop in, uh, <laughs> in uh, our, our proverbial homebrew uh, uh, brewery in, in Pemberton there, our house, uh, I looked at Angie and I remember, definitely, I remember saying to her, like, five years and we'll be back. Yeah. And we're going to open up here in Whistler, or I'm sorry, in Pemberton. Yeah. And uh, when we came home and back to that house after our time down in Fraser Valley, uh, we did. We the business plan was was up and running, and, and we're ready to move forward with this plan of being in Pemberton. Yeah. And I recall a quick conversation with Angie. And it was that it was quick. It was a couple of minutes where it was like, well, hold on, let's run these numbers against doing this in Whistler. Yeah. And uh, we we ran those numbers, and both of us our jaws hit the floor, and we were like, okay, forget Pemberton. We're doing this in Whistler. Oh, really? And yeah. uh, you know, Angie and I had met in Whistler. We'd spent. Uh, Angie, I think she's almost twenty. Or she is twenty years now here in Whistler. Mm-hmm. Um, if you forget about the couple of years or a few years that we left there. Yeah, sure. And uh, uh, so we, this is our home, and, and we love Pemberton for what it is, um, but uh, Whistler's where we like to, you know, and I, I grew up in North Vancouver, coming up and down the highway, mm-hmm. family shared a, a cabin in, in Alpine Meadows. So Whistler for us is, is truly home. Um, yeah. Pemberton was a, an availability to, to buy a home where sure. otherwise in Whistler we can't get into the market. We still yeah. can't today. It's yeah, it's <laughs> tough, man. Well, you, guys, you guys live in Pemberton now or you live in Whistler now? No, we're Whistler. Yeah, okay. we're in, uh, uh, just up in Brio there, just oh, cool. outside the village. And nice. You know, trying to make a go of it in a crazy expensive ski town with a pretty rad little brewery. I mean, the cool thing is about ski towns, a lot of people drink beer. So, oh, yeah. I mean, everyone's looking for something new. And Whistler's one of those things where um, when you're new, they'll give you a chance. Yeah. But that eventually, if you're not good, they that chance goes away. The honeymoon. Yeah, and I feel like you guys are past that now and everyone's 
you got the chance and you've taken that chance, it's working. God, I hope so. <laughs> I'm not trying to try jinx it. Sorry, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm stuck on wood yeah, here. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, but no, I think that's like um, knowing the area and and just have you you know you just you didn't just come in and try to open up shop. You knew the area. You spent time here making beers, um, and then you cut your teeth. You know essentially globally location. on those other companies. So, yeah, location, uh, location, location for any industry yeah. or m- most industries, I'm assuming, yeah. uh, you know, that product-based where you got to sell something. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you've got to be somewhere where there's a customer base for you. And, and uh, Ange and I, uh, prior to this uh, crazy brewing industry, you know, we were in the hospitality industry. Yeah, and, right. And so that's, I guess, where there, a lot of the relationships were, were hatched. Yeah, and it kind of gives you an insight into what a consumer, even though it was, you know, 10 years ago or 20 years ago, the consumer is looking for certain things and it kind of gives you an insight into what they might be looking for. And how to run a business? Because yeah. damn, you've got to. If you're going to run a restaurant or whatever, they're probably one of the hardest things to run as far as margins and, and price and cost and everything. Um, and as a brewer, I mean, you've got to watch every you know cup or every bag of yeast or every bag of barley you use is like going to cost. You know, it's it's going to be amount of money. yeah incremental if you don't use it right. Yeah, and then the the waste from that and everything. I mean, uh, and you can't just go and make crazy beers because no one's like you got to have an idea of what the market will bear. And yeah. that's, I guess that's your, how you get the, ed- that's where your education in other breweries comes from. Certainly. I mean, you got to balance your portfolio of beers that you have. You got to yeah. have drinkable beers, uh, core beers, flagship beers, some call yeah. them. And then your rotators, you can get a little crazier on those because so you, you build up the passion for the craft beer enthusiast, mm-hmm. that, that guy that uh, might be a bit of a tourist coming through who's yeah. looking for the different breweries as a, on their, on their holidays or sure. they're coming for a ski town, ski town holiday and. You know, they've tried your pale ale a number of times, and now they're willing to step out the boundaries a little bit and try right. that sour beer or, or something a little bit different. And uh, for us, of course, that keeps the passion alive in the brewery. Uh, our team, you know, I would have stayed working for somebody else if I just wanted to brew X amount pale sure. ale every year. Yeah. But the whole idea behind Coast Mountain is to keep it small, keep it local, almost hyper local, if you will. Yeah, it's awesome, and, man. And, uh, uh, and then brew a wide array of beers. To, I mean, I hate to say it, but it's a little bit, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, it's for us. Right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we want to do something different. And Yeah, it, I think that's what, like, if, if your passion behind it and making stuff you like, uh, I think a lot of people don't realize that when they do something, there is people that have the same interests that you would have. And people get in their head like, ah, oh, no one's going to like this. Yeah. You're like, but we all, you know, people buy the same cars, people buy the same things, people love hot dogs, hamburgers, they buy, they buy pasta. Whoever made pasta for the first time probably will like, people are going to love this. So making yeah. a beer, you're like, if I like it, we'll put it out there. And maybe 80% of the time it works. 20% of the time we get a failure, but, you know. Yeah, um, and we see that, of course, with our brands, yeah. too. You bring something on and, and you say, oh, man, I thought that was going to be a lot more popular than yeah. it was. Um, you know, and again, we're incredibly fortunate for the community that we have. Uh, international destination, our, our clientele just keeps coming. It changes over every mm. six months, every three months, or whatever the uh, you know schedule might be. And, and uh, we have... Uh, a really good following of people just they, they want the beer they want it badly <laughs> it's funny so we're in Function Junction here and this is not a big big part of town and I mean your uh, tap house is you know it's not the largest place but 500 dude, square feet 500 square yeah, feet yeah which is great because then it's just I feel like it's when it's busy here a lot yeah. like, I come here a lot and it's busy here yeah. a lot and I feel like you have staples the people that are down here and then you have uh, you know you see the rotating people come through but um, it's just that atmosphere because when it's busier, you feel a lot more like connected to people, even if you don't know them, but you're sitting two feet away. Yeah. It kind of feels like a very European like um, idea of just like being super close to people and you have you drink yeah. good beer. And yeah, the idea beer. was a, 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 a tap house that uh, a, a tasting room, if you will, that you're going to experience some flavor. There's going to be color uh, mm-hmm. in your beers. There's going to be a flight of, of four uh, beers that will hit your table mm-hmm. and there's going to be a, a, a flavor wave that runs from left to right or right to left or whichever way you're going through your flight. Sure, yeah. And uh, you're going to really have that experience. And then all the while, you're uh, rubbing shoulders with a, a family of four that's just got off the plane from New York or, or Europe or, mm-hmm. or wherever they may have come from for their holidays. And you can share their experiences and you can uh, have a few laughs with them. Uh, you'll meet other friends that come down all the time. Just like a coffee shop or uh, another local hangout, we obviously have our locals that uh, yeah. come down and support us all the time, and we're very grateful for that. Uh, but just the same amount are uh, folks that are just coming through the uh, corridor here and uh, visiting us uh, from wherever they're from and hopefully taking home a, a, a case four of beer and a, <laughs> and a T-shirt or, yeah. <laughs> or something, you know? Does, does, so going back to school, does, do they teach you, like, I'm curious what the focus is. Is it about how to make beer? Or just like, here's the fundamentals. This is the ingredients you need. And then you learn to tweak on your own. Do they teach you how to run a business? Do they teach you all that kind of stuff? Do they teach you mass brewing or do they teach you craft at, at school? Can you go into different aspects? Yeah, totally. Good okay. good question for sure. I'm curious. Like, There's diff- 
Because you, you, you could probably try, like you said earlier, I could try to apply to be a, a brewer at Molson's or whatever because I want to be making these great things. But sure. yeah, anyway, I'm just curious what the school... School yeah, I mean, um, uh, it, there's there's multiple different programs that you can get into within the brewing industry. Uh, predominantly, of course, it all starts with the four main ingredients, you know, which is uh, fairly simple. Four main ingredients, you think, right? right? Within that, there's a myriad of flavors and, and different types of barleys that we can use, uh, and, and hops, of course, and yeast strains and, and water chemistry. So those four main ingredients can really be augmented to, to create a, a, a wonderful array of beers. Right. Um, so schooling predominantly in the brewing part of it and, and, and the program that I took Check the, keep going. focused on, um, on the brewing aspect, focused on the ingredients and how to put those in the kettle uh, at what temperatures and for how long we're resting and, and, and the A to B to Z of, of, of producing the craft beer, producing the beer itself, right. packaging, um, you know, cleanliness uh, and, and, and sanitization and, and packaging. Or, or costing all the kind of stuff? They do like costing? Costing efforts? and everything else, but I mean, it wasn't a business school. Oh, okay, you know, That's, I guess what I was asking. Yeah, okay, right. Yeah, so I mean, I didn't learn marketing. I didn't learn, uh, uh, you know, how to run a business or HR mm -hmm. or any of that right. stuff. And, and some of those are aspects that we got to clean up and we'll learn as, as we go, sure. of course, because... We, in many ways, the craft beer industry is on fire right now here in British Columbia and throughout much of the world. Um, people are asking for flavor, and, and, and in doing so, uh, we recognized that years and years ago that there was an opening here in Whistler, that there was not a lot of attention to the town itself. And um, sorry, I go off on tangents a little sure, bit. Man, I whatever. found a little page and I turned the page there. Yeah, good, man. I'm down for sure. So yeah. I'm, I'm back Shake in Whistler so and I'm saying like, the, the, to my wife, like, we have got to get in maybe a little sooner than 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 we want yeah. um you know we were down in the fraser valley running those breweries there and and uh looking back home going we want to get back home for one thing we want yeah. to be be home uh but uh two we got to get well, we felt that we should get back home before somebody else uh came yeah. and opened up uh, sure. another uh, uh brewery here yeah. and uh now fast forward three years we're looking at it and saying hey why doesn't somebody else uh, add a brewery here because i think there's room for it yeah. and and we would support that fully yeah. and uh the the there's there's room in the corridor and there's there's uh <laughs> there's room on taps around town but there's uh yeah. sorry there's um there's the gin guy down there now. Yeah, Montes Distilling. Montes, yeah. He's doing vodka, gin, that sort of stuff first, and then yeah. his uh, game plan is to get into the whiskeys and everything. As of course, they take a little longer right. to age. Yeah. Well, you were saying earlier um, about you know making product. You didn't learn about the marketing, and everything else. But I, I'm a marketing guy. I feel like marketing is just kind of like you don't need to go to school for it. Yeah. You don't need to learn it. You just, yeah. you, if you're, it's kind we're of, doing our right. It's so kind of common right. sense marketing. It's <laughs> yeah. like if people don't piss people off, get them interested, find a way to entertain them. And I feel like I always talk about marketing a lot, but. I don't, don't go to school for marketing. Yeah. I mean, it, that puts on your resume and it just kind of gets you a job. But if All you're those doing marketing what you're guys doing, listening out there are just cringing right now. Doctor. Like, what? They're changing the yeah. channel. I went to school for this long and I'm like, you know, I <laughs> Do you think know how much I'm like, in debt right now for school. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. I mean, you, it definitely gives you some. I mean, the business school, though, I think that's something that I wish I had gone to just to learn about running a business a bit more. But, um, you know, what I, what I do to just interject on that, what I do is I hire for that quite honestly. Yeah. And what I do is I want to surround myself with folks that are more educated in certain mm -hmm. aspects than I am. And I think that betters our business overall. And I think if anybody were to take that and when you're looking at opening your own business is surround yourself with folks that give you passion and give you excitement to yeah. continue on in the industry, in the industry that you want to be in. And for us in the brewing industry, you know, I can't uh, count. Uh, I'm not. A, I'm not a finance guy. I'm not yeah. a, an accountant. So uh, my wife actually uh, went to school and she went to university for a couple of years while we were down at uh, the Fraser Valley and yeah. uh, got a basic understanding of accounting and Fair. back office. And so she now can runs that aspect. We hired a controller, uh, someone with you know a CGA or a CPA. I guess they call them now. Okay. Not exactly sure what I her designation is. is. I know you you know, chartered means. accountant. Oh, accountant. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. And okay. uh, so you know we got the right people in line there. And then for me in the brewing aspect to take it back to brewing again because it's kind of what I do. Um, you know, I know how to brew beer, and I, I'd like to say that I'm half decent at it. I think you're right. Uh, but I wanted our brewery to be better, and I wanted to learn as well. And I'm not done learning. i got a lot to, to go here. And mm -hmm. uh, so we went out, and we, we sought a brewer in James Walsh, who's a fabulous um, brewer. Mm. Horrible individual. If you're yeah. listening, I don't even James. know him, but sounds yeah, he's a two super brutal. yeah. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> so he um, uh, he's got a wealth of information, and he's a younger guy, and he's he's got a lot of chalkboard experience. So things like water chemistry and breaking out the calculators and everything else. Maybe I'm a little bit more. Uh, I learned kind of more of an engineering aspect by uh, twisting wrenches and banging banging okay. nails and right. and trying to figure out the aspect of flow from 
you know, they, they, you produce the beer in the kettles and the way it goes off to fermenter and the way it goes off to packaging. And I'm looking at it from 10,000 feet, trying to work it all out, whereas he's in on the, the intricacies. He's figuring out the little yeah. uh, microasms. Microasms? Is that microisms? <laughs> of the, of the yeah, beer. That just took like a weird turn. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, but I, I think, it, but I mean, having the overall picture, like the bird's eye view, is, as, as you know, you start. When you start, you're focused and you're staring at this, these small elements, right? Yeah. As a business gets bigger, as you grow, you become the bird's eye view guy. Has to take so you can't, dude. You can't do it all. No one can. I mean, if you, I if, you think, if you think you can do it all, <laughs> you don't want to do it all. Yeah. No, I want to. Oh, you want to? Yeah. I want to. I want to. If I, I could, I mean, I'd be here uh, 24/7, and uh, we'd move the family right into the brewery. They're pretty much. Were you guys living in here for a while? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah we were. Awesome, dude. <laughs> yeah. That's how. That's the fucking passion behind stuff. I think is yeah. pretty, pretty. We crazy. moved. We moved into a small uh, 700 square foot bachelor pad with no walls yeah. in function, and we lived there for the first two years of the business with a uh, family of four yeah, uh, on top of each other. And and I mean, hey, it's uh, right around the world. There's people that are in, uh, you know, whatever states and everything. Sure. So I'm not trying to say anything. All nope. I'm saying is that uh, our passion, you know, is is. I think as high as it can be, we really wanted to Coast Mountain to succeed. We still do on a daily basis, mm-hmm. and we work really hard to do that. And as a family, you want to spend some time with your uh, family yeah. outside and maybe, you know, talk about the, the, the mountain trails and the skiing that's, uh, right. of course, so exciting here in Whistler. And uh, we do as we try and balance everything as much as we can. Yeah, that's cool. Because I remember I used to see you all the time, yeah. and now I don't see you here as much. <laughs> so that's good. The 10,000 foot level think, is starting. I that, yeah, yeah, I think that's good. We're yeah. at that, what's a, doesn't, doesn't everybody, or I still at least uh, live by this a little bit, everybody says three years, and if you made it three years, then you'll, you'll probably, mm-hmm. probably make it. Uh, we've spent, you know, three blood, sweat, and tears, lots yeah. of all of the above yeah. uh, uh, here, and, um, and we're starting to see a little bit of a light where Ange and I, can take a day, uh, yeah. or or to to be dead honest, we just took our first holiday, 12, 12 days, yeah. and we left uh, the province. Yeah. And you know, I didn't get on a white sand beach. We went to Toronto. It wasn't all that exciting. Still though, I mean, out of town doing something <laughs> different. What, were you were you, were you getting like? Do the guys who just run it? Are you getting like texts like, "Hey"? I worked every day while I was yeah, sitting around I mean, it's a, Toronto and Muskoka. We went out there, and I was I was connected the entire time. We bought extra data, and I was sitting there, you know, always yeah. connected to the business. As it's a it's a way of life for us, and and it's 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 an industry that we didn't just take this job just to make ends meet. We wanted to create something that uh, would be here for generations for my kids, yeah. and 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 create something for the community that uh, we felt was missing in in the beer industry here, yeah. uh, which is uh, an attention to detail and craft beer and flavor and and everything from the beer uh, through to the packaging. It has to be there and it's got to be rad. And for that, I can't take a day off. I don't no. want to take a day off. I don't think you should. And I think, well, I think you should, but I think you should be <laughs> focused because I think in this small town, the, the, the person who started the business, the owns a business, you'd have to have a connection to the community. So if you just start a business and then walk away from it and try mm-hmm. to let Whistler run it or just let people come here, yeah. the community is going to be like, we're, this isn't personal. We don't yeah. get what's going on here. Like, sure, Starbucks can be here or whatever. Yeah. Everyone knows it. But if you're the owner of a small business in a town like this, people want to know that you're around. They Whether love to meet you. They yeah. love to high-five you. Because they love they, to have a, a chat. It's a success story. And everyone who comes here for these... Everyone that comes to Whistler, for the most part, has like a, an idea of what life can be better, and we can do these these grand things, right? And it inspires you. And so to have, you, if you're an owner that just opens up, starts to walk away, well, your business is going to start to fade away. I totally agree. So I think that's like where uh, you need to be part of, like in your, you know, maybe five days a week or four days a week. And if you go on vacation, maybe answer a text once in a while. But um, oh, don't work like three, four yeah. hours of, of the yeah. day while your kids are out swimming in the lake, and right. I'm like up there answering emails. Yeah, yeah. But the thing is, is like. Yeah, the only time you step away is if you're like, okay, I'm selling it, whatever else, I'm out, you know? And that's not, I mean, that doesn't seem like that's going to happen here, so. Well, like, you know, my my little mantra is as long as the beer's good, everything else will fall into place. Yeah. Uh, you know, and that that was from day one. We've said that. I, I, I remember saying that to my wife uh, uh, about six months before we opened. Mm-hmm. I started, you know, there's a lot of stuff we kind of do is like shooting from the hip. And, and, and you just feel it and you can feel yeah. it in your gut and you know that that is going to work. And whether it's the design of the tasting room to the tables and chairs that we put in here to the uh, type of beer that we have uh, on tap now today, mm-hmm. or maybe an establishment that, you know, you, for us, capacity is a huge uh, daily issue with us. Sure. We're a small <laughs> brewery. We like to coin yeah. the term boutique craft yeah. brewing. Yeah. And in that, uh, I don't think we've really mentioned yet that we don't distribute outside of Whistler. We're a tiny right. little brewery here. And so our attention to quality is is our brand. We want to yeah. make sure that we're a premium brand. We have a fabulous tasting beer. And the capacity of that's hard. So we have a lot of people that are asking for the beer and we can't get to them yeah. uh, all the time. And um, 
I've gone off on a tangent and I can't remember where I started that conversation. From. Oh no, we're talking about like quality and like being part of the business and being here to be to, to support it. And like this this town wants to see the people who run these businesses, right? And we're there twenty four seven. And yeah. and yeah, you can't you can't ever. Uh, we don't take a day off. It, it's a it's um, incredibly demanding. <laughs> but I think you get into the we got into this industry for the love of of yeah. the industry itself. The camaraderie between the breweries. I got a lot of great buddies that are running other breweries, successful breweries, yeah. um, and and we share stories all the time. And I know that those guys are prevalent on the day-to-day operations of the business, whether they're actually running the social media, whether they're digging the mash out of the uh, mash tun and, and a part of the daily brewing cycle, mm-hmm. or they're on the packaging, or they're on the sales and they're they're uh, answering emails left, right, and center. I kind of do all of that yeah. <laughs> and uh, I don't see an end to that for, for many years. So hopefully my back stays up uh, nice and strong. <laughs> yeah, man. Just do some yoga or something. Yeah, that's right. How are you talking? Yeah. I was thinking, I think you're talking about um, the different process and stuff. And I'm just curious uh, when you, what's the typical cycle or kind of moving away from like the yeah. passion. What's the typical cycle of, of brewing a beer from start to finish? Like, is it six weeks, two months, two weeks? I guess it depends yeah. on the, on the, on the, uh, very quickly, I, uh, I took my uh, sommelier and I started uh, looking in the wine industry years ago before the oh, home brewing of, of beer. And man, does that take forever. And I just oh. couldn't, I couldn't fucking, I couldn't hang around that yeah. long waiting. Is that why you guys two, have wine on tap Three, here? four, Sorry. I love my wine and my family uh, would much have rather that we opened up a winery sure. and bought some acreage up in the More Okanagan. prestige, everyone thinks it's all fancy, you know, you know. Fuck yeah. that. Rolls Royces and like white cars and stuff. Anyway. Yeah, we, uh, I, I'm, I'm impatient, I guess. And, uh, you know, two, three years to wait for a bottle of wine or something like that or, uh, we're brewing, um, we're in about uh, four weeks for our ales okay. and uh, six weeks for our lagers. Okay. That's a general rule of thumb. Some yeah. can take much longer. Some can, you know, the modern sort of hazy style beers that we got nowadays, they can come out in about 21 days. You is know, that three, a flavor thing that you decide on your style of flavor that you decide how long it is? Or is there like a, a mathematical minimum that they like the yeast have to be this long like is there it's you and i standing at the tank tasting off the tank literally really? it's a hard job and and then yeah. that becomes more of a norm with uh you you're the yeast that you're working with will metabolize uh sugar at a certain rate uh and that is uh, determined by the volume of beer by the temperature by the right. biomass that you introduce into the tank and then um you know that that aspect of what we call primary fermentation, metabolizing the yeast, turning that into uh, 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 CO2 and alcohol, yeah. uh, usually is somewhere between seven to ten days, oh, okay. and at a at a specified roughly like if it's an ale, let's talk pale ales here for a second, sure. roughly about 18 degrees Celsius, and uh, seven to ten days that sugar will be fully metabolized. Uh, you'll have dried your beer out. There's enough residual sugar there for the palate on the on the finished product. Uh, the uh, t- these all these fermentation tanks that are behind us, and we got this big window we're looking at all of our t- uh, tanks over there mm-hmm. um, are surrounded in glycol, so they have a, j- a jacket. They're double-walled, okay. and much like antifreeze in your vehicle, we can turn that. Um, uh, okay. to, we can turn those uh, that temperature down, uh, and immediately the um, yeast Stop is a, a single-celled organism. It's alive. It gets cold, right. and it, it uh, by nature it, it, it binds together with other buddies, little yep. little uh, uh, yeast cells, and that uh, gravity takes over, and the yeast will will uh, fall to the bottom of the tank. And these uh, fermentation tanks that we see behind us have a conical, it's a cone at the bottom of the tank. And it can be, you know, the larger the tank, the larger the cone. And uh, we will, um, uh, after another uh, week or so, depending on the recipe and depending on the beer, uh, we might take the beer off the yeast immediately. Uh, and, and in ma- most recipes, that's the best way to do it. Um, or the beer might uh, mature for another uh, two to three weeks in that vessel. Uh, we can take the yeast out of there. There's multiple different ways of doing it, but let's start trying to keep it basic. Uh, seven to 10 days of primary fermentation, mm-hmm. secondary fermentation, and or conditioning, better said. Uh, maturing the beer is usually about uh, another uh, two to three weeks. And then we'll uh, uh, either, if it's already in the packaging tank at that time, uh, maturing, or B, moves up to the packaging tank, uh, we'll then, um, away we go inside of about four weeks for hmm. most pale ales. Right. Your lagers take a little bit longer, uh, simply due to the, um, the yeast, uh, as it uh, works at a lower temperature. Okay. And just like you and I out in the wintertime, uh, we kind of, you know, do everything a little Slow bit down. slower because it's a little <laughs> colder out there. So summertime would have to be whatever, yeah. Yeah, summertime we're running around having fun <laughs> yeah. at the lakes and doing yeah. everything. And uh, now you got to start to bundle up. And so the, fer- the fermentation aspects take place uh, at about 12 degrees, 11 degrees, you know, depending on, again, the beer style. Right. Um, and then uh, that can just 
it just takes that much longer for those uh, uh, yeasts to consume the, the sugar. And then for them to settle out as well, out right. of solution, it just takes that much longer. Is there any difference between like elevation and all that kind of stuff? Like, I mean, obviously your water, obviously there's obviously there's obviously an issue, a difference with wherever the water comes from, that kind of stuff, I would guess. But um, I mean, yeah, elevation, like temperature. Yeah, boiling points. And, yeah, yeah, like all that kind of stuff, right? Like it probably changes a bit. The guys in Colorado, they really got to worry about that sort of stuff. Oh, really? you know, they're, they're way up there. Whereas uh, here in Whistler, you know, we're, what are we, 2,000 plus meters uh, yeah, above so. sea level and everything. And our boiling point doesn't change all that much. Water chemistry is massive. If we think about water... In a beer, if you've got a 5% beer, well, 95% of that's water, right? So the 95% right. of it better taste good. And uh, so the any impurities that you have in, in, the, in the water are going to be shown in a, in a, especially something like a Pilsner, a crystal chair Pilsner in front of us oh, here yes. on the table. Yeah. Uh, so softly. Uh, that beer is, is incredibly clean. And it's due in part, largely in part, to the the water that we have here and the massive filter that we. Uh, oh, I was going to ask, so filtration, that kind of stuff, like. Yeah, we yeah. have a huge carbon filter. It's full I don't of. Don't take any of secrets away, so you can. No, just no, no, no. Again, it's all wide yeah, out there nowadays. I'm not right. hiding anything. Yeah. Uh, you know, wear your heart on Open your sleeve, and, and you're yeah. really going to uh, enjoy life a little bit better. Uh, tell it honestly. Yeah. Uh, the 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 huge filter that we have in there, it costs way too much money, and it's full of like uh, uh, carbon and seashells, and uh, so the water filters through there oh. and uh, takes out all. The little 99.9% of the impurities. And I need to borrow, man, because my shower, I live down here and my hair goes green. I need to borrow. I, need to borrow, I thought that was a hair dye you had. There. Yeah, no, I don't dye. It's a natural blonde, man. But I, thought, I need to borrow that shit because uh, yeah, my hair goes green. So, yeah, I mean, I guess the water, filtering water, because they talk about, like, I mean, some brands talk about glacier water and stuff. and It's all marketing. Uh, yeah, it is, right? How about cold filtering? There's a product on there. It's got like a anyway? silver bullet or something like that with a yeah. whole bunch of token hot girls in uh, skimpy outfits that are trying to sell some product that's cold filtered. And if we were to filter, which we don't because I don't want to scrub any of the oils, the beautiful yeah. flavors that we can uh, produce in, in, uh, in the beers, um, it has to be done cold because you can't filter warm. So and these are all just marketing tools. Oh, sure. I mean, I'm a marketing guy. I get you just, yeah. you, people don't say what the actual true process is. You just say what it is. It sounds like it's new. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, you cold filter. <laughs> Holy shit. Oh, really? Dude, that beer's yeah. so much crisper yeah, exactly. than the next And your guys. can goes different colors. It shows me how cold your beer is. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Throw some more hot girls in the picture and yeah. maybe your can, can will sell. It's, but, yeah. it's, it is, uh, I guess the process, everyone claims their process. Everyone claims what their, you know, their key to their process is. Yeah. Um, um, but if you're just making your product, you mentioned earlier, where it's like you just kind of you're trying to just make good product. Um, you know, you didn't go to school for marketing that kind of stuff. And I think if we're just talking about product speaking for itself, that's what starts. That's what's first and foremost. So the processes and everything else you do, if you if you're diligent in your processes, um, I have a question actually. If the if there's a bit of variance in your process, you're making a certain uh, certain style of beer. Yeah. Uh, how how much will the flavor change if say the temperature is two or three degrees out or 10 degrees out or like, will it just be like, fuck, we got to dump it. And like, how does, yeah, bit of, bit of both. Yeah. Um, it can get, it can get funky. I mean, yeah. if you start to increase temperatures, things can, uh, more esters are produced, the beer becomes more floral and then it could go bad. It could go really bad. Should that temperature spike drastically? Mm -hmm. Um, or the conversely, if, if it's, you don't get the temperature, I mean, fermentation is an exothermic reaction. So okay. it gets warm totally. as it, as, as, uh, as the metabolized, as the sugar is being metabolized. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, for sure. So how much of a vari how much of a variation can set it off? A one degree? Oh no shit! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. But you and I out here on the tasting room floor won't. Uh, but us when we're back Expert in there, would be like under a microscope and and for for the the seasoned veteran, the taster, the the, mm -hmm. the cicerone is the uh, comparative aspect of a, a brewery guy that's a sommelier right. in the wine industry. He's a cicerone in the in the brewing world. Um, you know, those guys can really pick out those tiny little uh, uh, aspects and. Um, what we'll do here and what breweries have been doing for uh, ever is is uh, um, trying to recreate a certain beer time and time again is 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 of course you know with your flagship beers your core beers you want to be able to brew that same beer again because exactly you've just spent uh, x amount of dollars on a hard-earned um, uh, four pack of cans here and and uh, uh, you don't want to take it home and be like oh this isn't what i had last time but truth be said in a small brewery, we're always trying to better what we did. So every single time we go to the kettle, which we do six days a week, we go to the mm -hmm. kettle here, um, you know, i.e. brewing beer, um, we're trying to make that beer better. So we'll change small things each time. Mm -hmm. And what we'll do is we'll take you on the ride with us. We know the end game is maybe we're actually going to change an entire hop out. So a flavor component. 
but to get there, I'll have to start blending with this new hop. Ease and, us into it. Yeah, and ease you into it. And I'll do two, three, four batches. And it might take me six, seven months to Smart. get to where I want to be. Yeah. Uh, but I've taken you along with that with you me on that ride. Flip the flip the cart and try yeah. something. Let's let's actually let the cat out of the bag here. A little while ago, okay. we did a, a yeast comparison on our Daydreamer, which is our Daydreamer IPA. It's, it's one of our one. flagship brands. It's in this like hot pink can, and uh, you know, it's it's pretty fun. Marketing rule right there. I, I designed that can. Isn't that crazy? Like, oh, really? I didn't even you, know. You guys, you guys work with Cormac Power, right? Cormac Power. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah that yeah, guy's yeah. cool. Yeah. Yeah. At Cormac Power. You've yeah, got to yeah. look at his Instagram. The guy's crazy, man. Yeah, he's, he's good, a, man. He's a crazy, uh, crazy guy. Uh, great guy. Great yeah. guy. Crazy, crazy. Crazy uh, great. Thank you. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> yeah. So uh, we brought it on tap, and we told the customers here that we were using a London Ale yeast strain, and we were using a... Um, uh, a Windsor ale yeast strain, and the two were side to side yeah. for a good four weeks here, and we kind of let the public just uh, have at it, and everybody came back to us and was just like, "Oh my God, I love the London ale! Oh my God, I love the Windsor! Oh my God, I love this!" Yeah. And all the while, of course, we're taking that data and we're we're uh, uh, brewing behind the scenes here and and blending yeast strains and and blending batches and 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 trying to. Uh, come up with the best best uh, daydreamer we can possibly do. Yeah. And at the end of the day, of course, there were some people that, you know, dug their feet in and they were like, no, I'm a Windsor yeast guy. And, and we have a lot of locals here. And, and sure. being a, a tiny little brewery that really own, well, we only distribute here in Whistler. Yeah. Uh, there's some big fans of that beer. Well, we ended up and we took it on into London and we're now all London uh, yeast strain and oh. uh, have now started to spread that yeast throughout uh, some of our other brands as well without even telling you guys. And uh, it's shady, man. <laughs> and shady. Uh, the flavor has, has, has just continually gotten better. Cool. Yeah, that's and great. we just kind of wanted to bring you on that ride. But we also wanted to show you what we were doing because... Uh, that's kind of the the truthful, honest guys that we are. <laughs> well, and I guess too, in a small operation, you can, right? Like you're just. Yeah. Like, I think. Do you have ebb and flow a little bit better, you know, or a little bit more, and maybe the next guy. Yeah. I, I, do you have Do you have people come in and go like the people who come in as they you're, they they think they're experts, and you're like, dude, or or whoever. Oh yeah. You know, come on. Yeah. Like, and you're like, you just yeah. gotta. You Let just gotta go. shake that guy's hand, look him square in the eye, and be like, "No, I totally get it, man. Yeah, right. no, like, I mean, that pale ale—it's a bitter pale ale. You know, that's how we intended it to be. And thankfully, we're we're again we're hard on our sleeve, and we'd be like, "No, that's that's the way that we wanted it." Yeah. And that guy will be like, "Whoa." You know, like we have a ta uh, beer on tap right now. It's a fruit snack, uh, blackberry lime Berliner Weiss. Like you, you, uh, you go to the old world and and you see that uh, fruit infusion, and we would be like, you know, thrown out of the country. Like they wouldn't even allow you here. Right. So you get like purists that will come in and be like. That's not a Berliner Weiss. Oh, uh, right. Uh, that's not a Goza. And, and you don't even say Goza, it's Goza. You know, there's <laughs> right. certain ways. And, and of course, we just oh, love to buy. That is, okay. I, <laughs> yeah. I like, oh, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. So we have a beer called Let's Just See How It Goes. Yeah. And, uh, I you got know, that, but I was like, what? Yeah. Okay. And we're going to have another beer coming out pretty quick. And here's the uh, you know big debut. We're going to have another beer saying, It Goes Well. You know, oh, and those, okay. those beers are coming. And, uh, you know, we're, we're just, uh, we're always just, I don't know, bastardizing style guidelines and, and, uh, for us, that's a big part of the fun. It's good, man. <laughs> I mean, that's where the industry needs. Like, there's these little igniters or firecrackers that change things, right? Yeah. And I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna stay this, if you're gonna if you're gonna follow tradition, follow tradition. But if you're not, moves forward and try something different. And that's why I was asking earlier what your what your um, influences are to try do different different flavors and different beers. But uh, I mean, it seems like you're growing here. Yeah, totally. In capacity, we're growing. In in styles, we're growing. Uh, we're getting riskier. We're getting more advantageous, adv advantageous, adventurous, adventurous, with, right. <laughs> adventurous with our uh, uh, beer styles that we choose um, to to brew and to to showcase. Mm -hmm. And um, and then uh, yeah, I mean, I, it's going to be a wild ride. I hope it continues. I mean, and we we uh, I don't know. I just want to I want to brew interesting beers that. They keep me coming back. And again, I mean, I, I know that's kind of egotistic or, you know, bad to say I'm, I'm brewing beer for you. But I figure if, if our team loves it and, and, and uh, continues on, uh, um, you know, with, that, with that, that passion, it'll keep the people coming back. As long as the beer's good, everything else will fall into place. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, that's obviously, yeah. I mean, I mean uh, and then what's your, so you guys are growing a bit. What's, your, what's the future of this place? What's going, like, I see you guys are, I don't know how you can talk about this now, but I see you guys sure. have a, you're moving down the. 
down a bit yeah, here. Yeah, 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 totally. No, we're really excited. We, um, we, the brewery uh, is, is started about 2,500 square feet. We just got another 700 or so, so we're just over 3,000 yeah. uh, currently. Yeah. Um, and we were working with some developers uh, across the tracks over there, still in function for about a year and a half. That uh, all went sideways, right? Yeah, that went sideways. Not you guys, but that development. Yeah, those guys just, uh, uh, to be dead honest, if you're listening out there, uh, they can't get their uh, ducks in a row. Right. And uh, we had to jump ship. Um, it's something to do with the driveway or something they built? Anyway, yeah, yeah. we can move on. Well, yeah, yeah. they just can't figure out working. the roadways, whatever. Yeah. And so we jumped off that, and uh, so we made our bed here at home, and uh, we're excited to, we um, have made the decision to stay, and we have taken on another 1,500 square feet of another unit that's just in the same building, and we're just sort of figuring out exactly what we'll be doing in that unit. There's okay. some exciting stuff that I can't get into yeah, right no worries, now, but sure. I'm super stoked that uh, Coast Mountain's growing. Yep. And yeah. then... With the Whistler Beer Fest, uh, we won the second time uh, in three years. And yep. with this one, it gave us some more draft contracts that have cool. us a little bit nervous going, oh my gosh, can we fulfill those uh, contracts? And, and those mean, you know, for, for basic sense, that's just kegs of beer that are going to be sold mm -hmm. at certain pubs around town. Um, and and uh, uh, we need to make sure that we have a, enough beer for those guys. Right. And, and there's potential for even bigger contracts. And there's folks out there that really want the beer. There's, this, Whistler's a very thirsty town. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, who, who knew, I right? I to get rid of the problems. <laughs> but no, so I, it's a question. So you're talking about like growing and stuff. And I was like, you know, when you start this business, you, you have these fears of like, you know, um, maybe a failure or of just whatever could happen or like the unknown. Then you get to a point where now you're this failure, this fear of like, you know, where are, I have a lot to, you know, something to lose now, right? You've got this level of like, um, this level of business, this level of, yeah. um, reputation strong. Yeah. And, and yeah, you start to get these like people coming at you for these, these bigger contracts. You're like, man, this is what I wanted. Yeah. And now you're like, oh shit. Yeah. Like, how do you handle inventory? Oh, well, <laughs> how do I handle inventory? Mentally, how do you handle like, like what's your, is your approach? Like, you know, we did this for a reason. Are you like, there must be times you're like, what, what's like, is this going to work? Like, how did, like, how do you stay focused and not think like, get overwhelmed there's a lot of uh, uh excitement around coast mountain and other breweries in the province to go big uh mm -hmm. your beer our beer does well other one of my best buddies in the industry is they they're stealing oak brewing down in new west their beer's fabulous mm -hmm. and they continue to grow four winds brewing and other really good friends of ours and yeah. they're they're just fabulous beers and they're just you know going off and you've got to kind of target just like any other industry where do you want to be in four years five years six years ten years down the road and and how many for us a volume uh, as we produce beer you know what kind of volumes are you going to be looking at so we have forecasts that are built and then we kind of blow through those each year and re redo the forecast and redo yeah. the budget and say okay you know up that by 20 percent up that by whatever and a lot of it is just um again back to the, the gut feeling like can can we do this right okay and not harm the flagship brands that we've built and the the trust of the community within those brands can we go out and for us uh, i mean it, it it comes down to you know brewing the beer and and how much of that can we produce and so the brew house that we have produces a, a, a two thousand liters of, of beer a day wow. and uh a ton of beer. so but you could brew on that brew house five times a day and that's kind of the, the way that we set that up. Now, we'll never uh, see ourselves brewing five times a day, but we already are brewing twice a day on certain days. Okay. And uh, you might want to introduce another shift where you're brewing. A, a guy comes in at nighttime. I can do two brews in um, about 10 hours or so. Okay. And so I might bring in a, a nighttime guy, and we'll do a, another uh, brew from, you know, 6 o'clock at night till 10 at night or whatever. Right. Those math, the math is totally out the window. Whatever. I didn't ever say I'm I was a mathematician. mathematician. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, and, and it really comes down to just adding another tank. Okay. So the more tanks you got, the more beer you got, and uh, the more experimentation you can have at that level. What's a tank worth? A tank's worth a lot of money. Um, yeah, each each of the tanks. It's not common. It's like it's not oh, private. Depends on the size grand? of the tank. But okay. um, uh, you used to sort of say a thousand bucks for every hectoliter, and these tanks are 20 hectoliter tanks. Okay, so, so significant. You know, each yeah. tank's around 20 grand or yeah. so. Um, and yeah, brewing industry, the, the capital costs to get going are not cheap. Uh, it's yeah. a very difficult uh, business to get off the ground financially. Yeah. And you really have to have a good business plan and a, and a great location and a great product. Yeah, right? because you wouldn't know how to brew at scale until you can afford the kettle. And you whatever. see that time and, and time like, again how do in this I, industry. So to do what you did, like someone took a chance on the road, sort of brewing at scale the first time. Yeah. But then to do what you did to go away and learn how to brew at scale somewhere else is 
like spend somebody huge, else's money first. <laughs> yeah, and as long as you, and if you do it well, yeah. you get the reputation, you do it yourself. But yeah, yeah, that I never thought about that brewing at scale because it's like a lot of things. I guess you have a small business. It's like how do I take this next level? I have to now increase production to one thousand percent. Yeah. How do I do that? I have to test and just hope this fucking works for the right, most yeah. part, right? Yeah, it's a gut shot. You gotta you gotta be able to do it. And even yeah. when you're bringing a brewer from a, a larger scale, like uh, you know, there's there's some brewers that have come from Molson down to a smaller brewery here it's recently tough, in our industry, and uh, you know they took a little bit of time to get their feet wet before the beers actually you know started to get clean. Yeah. Uh, conversely, the other way around is hiring a home brewer to uh, start uh, you know a, a production facility this this big. You know, they're yeah. like, where they're spinning their head going, how do I, how do I wrap my head around, um, you know, producing that much beer, uh, that often and to be able to do it time and time again. So actually you touched on, uh, uh, the ingredients and everything, and I'm going to kind of turn a page here a little sure. bit where I like to kind of, uh, 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 the wine industry, you know, every year you have a certain crop where it was, uh, you know, fairly sunny this year and we had a great yield of grapes and there's that much more juice produced in the, in the yeah. grapes themselves. And so I'm going to charge you know, 20 bucks a bottle for this Merlot, right? Right. Next year, it was a shitty year, dude. It rained all year round, and uh, the grapes just didn't uh, plump up, you know? Yeah. I'm going to charge 18 bucks for that bottle. Okay. And you and I, the consumer, are well aware of that, because last year it was 20 bucks, and you know, oh, this year's... And it's all out there, the harvest, and you know, the conversations right. and everything. We have water, barley, hops, yeast. Those are all natural occurring, you but know? you can't... Yeah. But I can't change anything, and I have to always produce that daydreamer or that crystal chair pilsner with the exact same flavor profile. And we have seasonalities, like where the water runoff for us here changes, and there's more hardness, uh, there's more um, uh, minerals content in sure. the water at certain stages of the years, and we adjust our process all the time. The yeah. barley itself might not have been a great for, uh, season, and I didn't get nearly as much um, plumpiness out of my barley, thus as much starch, thus as much fuel for the alcohol in the beer, and as such, I may have to use more of it or change the provider. I might have to go over Damn. across the pond and bring in a different ingredient provider to attain the same flavor profile. Now I'm using grain that was uh, uh, produced, you know, however many thousand kilometers 20% away. 20% more cost, whatever it is, right? 20% more yeah. cost. Now, for us, we actually only use European grains here. Uh, we, we use what I like to say is the best ingredients in the world. Um, and I remember the conversation with my wife, very frankly. I said, if I use the best ingredients in the world, it's like a chef goes down to the dock and he gets the freshest fish off the boat. I mean, that guy at the sushi joint is the best sushi joint in town yeah. because he's the, you know, the best chef and he got the best cut of fish or yeah. the best cut of meat and, and the freshest. Well, you know, in the brewing industry, if we use premium barleys and we use hops that are uh, grown right around the world, and I'm able to source those from Australia or New Zealand, um, we're gonna have a, a flavor profile in our beer that is excelling against the next guy. Mm -hmm. And so it may cost us double what the other guy's brewing, but the flavor profile is gonna be there and the quality is always gonna be there. And right. so for us, it's very difficult dance to produce the same flavor and make sure that your 15 bucks for your four pack or whatever it is, isn't you know spent and it's not a different flavor every single time you come or right. every single time you buy that uh, beer. So I don't know where I went with that tangent. But, uh, we uh, were just talking about ingredients. <laughs> you were talking about like the, I was just saying like you were talking about just I don't even, actually I forget what you were talking about. <laughs> I, was, I was trying to like I was trying to like make up like I knew but I forget. Um, turn the page. Next. Yeah. No, I think dude, this has been an awesome conversation. I'm just yeah. like uh, I. Didn't I don't know shit about making beer. Yeah. I just know what it's like to drink. Now you know a little bit, right? Yeah, dude, bit. you have so much knowledge. It's crazy. <laughs> um, I could probably sit to you forever. But, uh, yeah. So we talked about the future of this place. Um, what's your, I don't know, you talked about a few beers coming out. Do you have any, like, yeah. give any secrets up on, like, what's another, like, what's your... There's no pumpkin beer coming from this brewery. Thank you. Thank you, man. There's That's a great. good secret. Okay, great. Ever. ever. Sorry cool. for you pumpkin purists out there, but uh, I fucking hate pumpkin beer. It's <laughs> and gross. It's never going to happen. I don't even know like all these chestnut things. I don't know. I, yeah. I, I guess I'm not a dark beer guy, like the, uh, the heavy beer, so I'm not, uh, I'm not well, into we, it. We're really excited with the with the um, increased square footage. We're, we're going to work with a lot more barrels, mm -hmm. so a lot of barrel aging, a lot more sours, a lot more funky, weirder, wilder beers, cool. uh, all the while still focused on our big flagship beers, our, our, our daydreamers and, and mm -hmm. uh, the crystal chairs and, and forecast and my, my favorite beer that we've ever done, yeah. you know, drumroll, is the Surveyor IPA. That's good. Uh, we love, I love that beer. And it's got a beautiful balance between bitterness and, and West Coast hop uh, characteristics. Uh, the alcohol is up there at 7%, so I don't get to have a lot of them. I got two kids right. at home, um, yeah, yeah. you know, so and I got to run, run this business and then run that business when I get home. Yeah, right. And um, 
you know, as, as for the future of Coast and, and the, the beers that we got coming, I mean, it's going to be interesting. We have uh, a lot of collaborations that we do with local establishments, restaurants. Uh, this year we're going to be doing a lot more with retail uh, just to bring in the community here from Whistler and allow them to see the behind the scenes and actually get their hands dirty and brew the beer cool. themselves and then be able to put really? their logo on there. Yeah, Sick. for sure. So That's we'll do cool. a We'll do a Proctor, uh, you know. Uh, yeah, really? <laughs> yeah, casual beer would be awesome. Yeah. I mean, actually, from here, I'm yeah. going to a, a, a meeting with a, um, a hospitality group in town oh, cool. where we're going to be talking about a collaboration that will can this uh, coming season. Great. And, um, you know, it's 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 Big just things. don't take your foot off the gas. Go, go, go. Yeah. Keep it flavorful. And uh, as long as the beer is good, everything else will fall into place. It's cool, man. Well, I, I'm stoked. <laughs> I think it's cool. I'm glad you're across street from my house. Yeah. Uh, it's been, I'm glad to Sorry about your liver. Yeah, well, you know, it's, I can feel it every day. It's fine. But no, I think it's great. I think um, it's cool to watch you guys grow and get bigger thanks, um, and just uh, see the success of this company. So, um, Well, thanks very much for taking the time to come down and talk to us. And uh, pretty stoked just to be a part of the community. Pretty stoked that uh, people like yourself actually want to sit and chat with a boring old beer geek like me. Dude, shut up, man. No, <laughs> fuck. You know, it's cool, man. I mean, I, I, every time I come in here, you know, always a friendly guy. You're shaking hands. You're, when you are here, you're talking to people. And yeah. I think that goes a long way with, with And people. I swear I'm here a lot just because you don't see me. I mean, there's many I hours in the day. I just don't come here as much as I used to. I don't know. I mean, I'm trying to lay off the beers a bit, but um. I'm not as much here when it's after dark. That's for yeah, sure. I got right. kids. I got to put to bed and everything. That's right. for sure. So. Yeah, I guess you work during the day, so do I. I come here after work. Yeah, look at me. I'm here. 9 a.m. I'm here. Dude, I know, right? <laughs> yeah, I was like, I was like, oh yes, we're gonna drink beer now. I'm like, nah, we can't do that. <laughs> um, well, yeah, Kevin, thanks, man. I appreciate it. Uh, so, Coast Mountain. What's the Instagram? Coast Mountain. Coast Mountain beer. Coast Mountain beer, and then. Facebook's just Coast Mountain Beer too, right? Yeah. I don't know. Just type Coast Mountain in there, and hopefully it. it starts to show it. up. Yeah. I mean, it's on there, and uh, yeah. yeah, no, we're. Uh, I, I try and put pictures up there of, of yeah. interesting things to look at, and right. social media is a hell of a drug, and that's yeah. a whole other conversation. Just make good beer, man. People will come <laughs> that's for it. sure. That's cool. it, man. Well, thanks very much. Yeah, man. buddy. Thanks for coming. All right. Thanks for having me for sure. And uh, I'll probably be here this afternoon sometime. Yeah, hey, cool. so will I for a little while <laughs> before the sun goes down. All right. <laughs>